0: Welcome back to another Edge Got In podcast. Thank you for pushing that pause button today to Edge Got In, to your mind, your will, and those emotions. Our mission statement at Edge Got In is to champion your human potential in Christ. It is the voice of emotional intelligence in Christ, and it's our goal to be able to empower you to be able to override Those moments when, (laughs) in neuroscience, it's referred to the frontal cortex restricting and, and tossing you into the back part of the brain, simply put, where you only have three reactive choices, fighting, running, or freezing. So perhaps this week, you have been hijacked by something emotionally that is keeping you captive and you keep pushing that replay button. God desires to deliver you from that, my friend. He adores you, loves you right where you're at. Jesus is constantly whispering an invitation to draw near to him as he draws near to us and pushes out those shadows that create the anxiety within our bodies. Stress is the power you give or I give to outside circumstances to define what you can handle successfully, what you believe you could handle successfully. And as a follower of Christ, there is good news, my friends. All things are possible for those who believe. You can explore Edge God In and the different podcasts. We have over 200 now at edgegodin.com. There's also a one-sheet that you can print out to capture your learnings from today's podcast. Please also visit us at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. We still have the 50% off offering for our Emotional Intelligence in Christ course. The purpose of that is to train you up to be able to be the boss of your emotions in Christ and to follow his lead on how he worked through difficult situations and many different personalities and conflicts. He is our mentor, my friends, when it comes to emotional intelligence in Christ. Please use the code EIC2023, and you can find that at at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. Today's topic, three reasons to stop comparing yourself to others. When was the last time you compared yourself? to somebody else. It's a subtle little serpent. And I'd like to point out two different areas of comparison. Now, there's the type of comparison that can motivate us and can champion the gifts and talents that God has put in us. Those are the mentors in life. Those are the saints, the people we look up to that I just watched this amazing documentary on Mother Teresa. It stopped me in my tracks. And as I was comparing myself and my spiritual journey to where she at, she was at and what she did when she walked this earth, it didn't oppress me in any way. What it did was motivate me. So there's the type of comparison when you find somebody and You're moved by the Holy Spirit. I want to do more of that, God. I want to do more of being awake, in the case of my comparison to Mother Teresa, being awake to those people who are in need every day within my own household. And she's big on starting in the family behind closed doors with my friends, people I bump into, whatever it is. So that was a comparison that brought me up to a higher level in my prayer life and what I'm asking for. I want to be more like that, Lord. Make me more like Mother Teresa, who wasn't confined by the opinions of other people and didn't compare herself. She was stooped in her mission, didn't look to the right or the left, and um, went to the poorest of poor. You've called me to a different mission. Help me to do a good job. And so that type of comparison is a good comparison. Today, we're talking about the kind of comparison that imprisons you, that holds you back, that creates creates all kinds of open portals, sort to speak, for the devil to slither in and to hijack your identity. That's the conversation we're having today. So, as you think back over the last several weeks, when was there a moment when you compared yourself to someone around you and it produced negative feelings? Because that's the sign. Here's your sign. When you have negative feelings inside, you know it's the kind of comparison you want to stop doing. If it boosts you up and moves you into a more expansive desire to do good and love God, that's the good comparison. So at the end of today's podcast, it's our desire that you walk away with three specific reasons to stop comparing yourself to others. Let's jump in. in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, sweet Jesus. I know one thing for sure. If you don't grant me the grace to speak your words, to say it, whatever you want to say in the way you want to say it, then this will not produce good fruit, the fruit that you desire, which is always to draw people closer to your heart and remind them of how much you love and adore them right where they're at. And you love them enough not to leave them there. So may the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight for the edification of everyone who's jumping on today. Make us more like you, Lord. There's no need for the kind of comparison that steals our peace. You died to restore our peace. And our relationship. With you. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So come with me on this, my friends. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 4. So we're right in the beginning here. And there's a very powerful and short situation that happens in Genesis Genesis, Genesis chapter 4. Perhaps you've heard of the story of Cain and Abel. If not, welcome. It's a powerful one. So Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Can you imagine that? Just the awe and wonder, not knowing that that's what happens. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruit from the soil as an offering to God. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So look what happens. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, I love the fact that this is just such open communication. It can be the same for us, my friends. There's just so many darn loud voices and shiny objects out there occupying the space between our two ears that we don't hear the whisper of God. It was pretty pure back then, way back then. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? So think about that question the next time you're angry because God asks us that too. When we're when we're downcast, he cares that our face is downcast. He cares that we're angry, we're frustrated. See, anger was the ramification of comparison. Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you but you must master it. So that's a small verse and a huge invitation for us today. If your face is downcast because of a negative emotion that's produced by some form of comparison that happened over the last several weeks, God is desiring to release you from that. It's a prison, a mental prison. If you do what is right... And in that case, if you had a comparison that led to negative emotions in the past week, what is right is remembering your identity in Christ. That's the first phase of emotional intelligence in Christ. Remember whose you are. If you do what is right, you'll be accepted. Meaning, I, let me put this in context. This is the Old Testament, right? This was before, even though Jesus was present there in the heavenly realms, this is before God sent his son down into the world to, to, to change the game in terms of... And I was just mentioning this to my husband the other night. I said, you know what's so cool? When I took Eastern religions and Western religions, when I took those courses, the one thing I walked away with is Christianity is the only religion where God reaches down to man And he sees the torment that was happening, even back then. He sees the torment that happens in the heart of mankind. And he invites us, um, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Now God's wanting him to do what's right. Now we know with the New Testament that what is right is believing that Jesus is the Son of God and allowing him to be the Lord of your life. Because by his sins we are redeemed. That's what's right. And by that relationship with Jesus and knowing how much he loves and adores you and drawing near to him and allowing his love to push out all of the shadows and to lift you up and above the mental mind trash that Satan uses to hold you back from freedom. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, so it's interesting because God reaches out and is very clear, Says, says some, has some very valid questions here to Cain. The next verse, though, is that Cain is absolutely untouched by, by what God has just said. And it says, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. So he is so hijacked by anger, he can't even see straight. When was the last time that happened to you? Anger, by the way, is the ramification of a fear. Fear that you won't be picked, fear that you won't be able to do what you want, that people won't buy into what you're putting down, fear that you'll be rejected. Now Cain said to his brother, "Hey, let's go out to the field." And while they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother and Ab- his brother Abel and killed him. Okay, so how many times have you mentally just cut people off? because of the mental torment of comparing yourself to them and and you just can't stand it. So you choose to go in another way or you choose to kill them by your gossip, kill them by lies, kill them by cutting off their reputation. We're seeing this tenfold in our society today. What can you do about it? Start with the person in front of your face, the person you see in the mirror, as Michael Jackson says. You start with coming before God and laying yourself before God and saying, you show me where I'm where I'm farming out my sense of identity to, because I'm sick and tired of rising and falling, depending on how the world judges me or my comparisons. So Cain goes out and kills Abel. That's just after God was speaking to him and wanting to save him really draw him back in Genesis chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 and verse 8 doesn't even say that Cain responded to what God said how many times do we just push push away the whisper in our heart don't do that stop talking about yourself like that stop talking about others like that come closer there's a better life for you draw near to my love and allow that to guide you forward So the Lord said to Cain, Where's your brother Abel? I find that very interesting because God already knows where Abel is. But he's giving him another opportunity to come clean and speak truth. Of course, Abel's still hijacked. I don't know. One sin leads to another, my friends. So he kills his brother and lies about it. Am I my brother's keeper? And then he's sassy to God. The Lord said, What have you done? Listen. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, you will no longer it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be like a restless wanderer on the earth. <clears throat> that verse in particular, I think, is so powerful. Because as we are comparing ourselves to other people, we are restless, very restless. We become a restless wanderer on the earth. It's not a happy place to be when we're doing the comparison that flows from a place of lack and scarcity. And my friends, we lack nothing with God. He has such beautiful plans for you, specifically. And so the first reason to stop comparing yourself with others is this. It undermines your God-given unique value and worth and promotes feelings of inadequacy. Number one reason to stop comparing yourself to others literally undermines. Undermines means it takes away the value that God has already given you, that Jesus has died to affirm. He sees you today, my friends, and you matter to him. He adores you right where you're at. Ephesians 2.10 is one of many scriptures that backs that up, for you are the handiwork of God, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. Don't look to your right or your left. Don't worry about what so-and-so is doing or what so-and-so did. Or if someone got promoted over you, continue to entrust yourself to God. Come back. Every time you get hijacked, be honest. Lord, I am freaking hijacked right now because somebody got something that I wanted. I heard the other day a great reminder around this that until we can be glad, truly, in situations like that, for the person who is blessed, God cannot give us what he desires to give us because we, have, we do not have the heart space to handle it in a way that will honor God. And he desires to create that heart space. He disciplines those he loves and he punishes or allows you to go through those uncomfortable feelings because he wants you to share in his righteousness, right standing before God. That's his desire. It's the same desire with with Cain. He even shows compassion on Cain because he he lets Cain know, hey, this is what's going to happen. And Cain said, my punishment is more than I can bear. You're driving me from this land. I can't stand it because people will kill me. And the Lord has compassion even when Cain has killed his brother. The Lord always has compassion. It's His very nature; He cannot deny Himself. So let me throw in a personal story here, and this one comes. This is one I'm not. I'm not proud of at all. I'll just say that out out loud. This is a story that happened, I believe, when I was in junior high. Not my best years. Just saying, and yet I remember it very clearly. That we had a, a an outage. There was a huge, huge uh, northeasterly that that came through Long Island. And, um, my sister had a friend over at the time and the water where we lived went over the road. And so she couldn't get back home and, and her home actually didn't have electricity; Our, ours still did. So my mom offered for her to stay at our house. So she stayed one night, two nights, three nights. By the third night, I was so worked up because I was comparing the fact that my sister was allowed to have a friend over. Listen, listen to this this is unbelievable, just such a great example of when the flesh drives the bus, nothing good happens, that we had steam on our windows. And I actually went into my sister's room because I was so angry. It was literally a cane moment. And I wrote in the mist, I'm going to kill you tonight, right? That's how it manifested. Not happy about it. I refer to these as my BC days before Jesus Christ got a hold of my heart. I've apologized about that to my sister. Uh, Perhaps you have a moment like that from your timeline where the flesh literally moved you to do something very ugly. And I wrote that in the mirror or in the uh, window. I'm going to kill you tonight because I was so upset because I was comparing myself to her and I had worked myself up in so much anger that I couldn't stand it anymore. And so this brings me to the second reason to stop comparing ourselves to other people. When I compare myself to others, my sister was getting to have a friend and I didn't. And my little teenage self-centered focused mind was just focused on what I wasn't getting and what she was getting, right? When we compare ourselves to others, it's as if we are saying, you have something I need in order to know that I'm enough, or in order to feel safe, or in order to feel like I'm successful, or in order to feel good about myself, or to feel that things are balanced. Life is unjust, my friends. There is no doubt about it. Look, they crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who was sinless, pure, only had a heart for love and salvation of souls, and they crucified him. I was just reading last night, actually, in the Gospel of John. Hey, and this is G- this is Jesus speaking. If they crucified me, um, if they if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So don't be surprised at the at the the trial you're suffering against. Life is unjust. So our prayer daily is, dear God, help us to seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with you. Guard your hearts, my friends. It's the wellspring of life. So be very careful not to throw rocks because the measure you judge, you too will be judged. And I was throwing rocks. And it was as if I was saying, hey, I, I can't stand the fact that um, this is an unjust situation and I'm comparing myself to you. So I'm going to take a rock and I'm, and, and I'm going to kill you. Cain did to Abel. So there was serious, serious consequences for that. Needless to say, I heard my mom taking the stairs three at a time and she threw me on the bed. I got the biggest spanking I think I've ever gotten in my life. And I was a teenager at the time, made me even more angry. And yet it's something that really has come back to me many different times of how strong and overriding, um, the flesh is and the sin within me that caused me to do such an ugly thing to write that, um, Praise God for his grace. So the second reason to stop comparing yourself to others is that when you do, it's as if you're saying that that other person has something you need in order for you to feel secure. And it promotes self-doubt and insecurity. Definite reason not to do it. Jeremiah 29.11 he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to prosper you my friends and not to harm you to give you a hope and you a future any time we negatively compare ourselves to others which results in negative emotions it's as if we're saying i don't really trust that you've got my back god so i got to claw and kick and scratch and bite my way to where i want to be not so my friends god is faithful So let's look at one more story from the Gospels. And this is Jesus' take on envy and comparison. And I'm flipping my big fat Bible to Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven, and these are Jesus' words, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. That's you and me. <laughs> I want to work in Jesus' vineyard. I'm just saying, whatever he pays me, I want to work in his vineyard. So Jesus is, is using this parable to teach. He agreed to pay them a denarii for the day and sent them into the vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. So he told them, hey, you also go work in my vineyard and I'll pay whatever is right. And so they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the 11th hour, he went out and found still workers standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day, all day long doing nothing? So I'd like to just kind of throw this in just for fun. It's as if Jesus is saying at the end of our lives, if we've done nothing in terms of pursuing God and opening our, giving our lives over and opening our hearts to Jesus to do his work of love. So I was so moved by watching Mother Teresa's choice of work. If we've done nothing in the end of our lives, it's as if he's saying, hey, why have you been standing around your whole life? (laughs) So are you standing around, my friends? Because I know there's days I'm just standing around and I can hear Jesus' words saying, hey, why are you just standing around? All day long doing nothing. So make that a prayer. Dear God, help me not to stand around and do nothing. Because at the end, I want to hear those sweet words Well done, my good and faithful servant. You worked in my vineyard. And you also allowed my spirit within you to help you conquer the flesh, meaning to override all the falsities that come from the weakness of the flesh, that constantly whispers to you, you're not enough, you can't do that. Other people are more important than you. No one likes you. Your life will never be repaired. Nothing will ever work out for you. There is no hope for you. Those are all lies, lies. Not today, Satan, not today. And so Jesus goes on to say, uh, basically, he explains that the response of the people that he was asking that question, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one's hired us. They said, this is so great. I love how Jesus handles, um, victimization. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I know I've thrown, there, there's an article I wrote, uh, for Colorado business, uh, magazine quite a while ago. You can still find it on, on, uh, if you, if you put it into and, and, and search for it, it's called, um, eight ways to throw a successful pity party, because if you're going to throw a good one, it might as well be a good one. Uh, If you're going to throw one, it might as well be good. And so I say this without any judgment. Um, Jesus goes straight in on victimization. He did it with the man who'd been paralyzed for, for 30 some odd years at the pool of Bethesda. Um, you know, when he's like, well, when I try to get into the pool, someone always jumps in front of me. Jesus' next line is, stand up and pick up your mat and stop sinning, meaning, meaning give God more authority than your condition. Give God more authority and believe that God has plans for you, even if you're looking around you and seeing everyone prosper around you but you. Still have faith. Give God more authority that he's got plans for you. That's what he's looking for in the human heart. He said to them, you go into the vineyard and start working. Basically, come and follow me. Start doing my work in the world. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, in case you're wondering, the owner of the vineyard is God, Jesus. <laughs> they're, they're, they're running this vineyard on earth, in earth school. Call all the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarii. So when those who were hired at the first hour had been working in the Lord's vineyard longer, they expected, expected to receive more. Anytime our expectations exceed reality, my friends, we have disappointment. So they expected to receive more. So there's the comparison. They were sitting there comparing themselves to the people that the landowner was very generous to. Even though they came working at the final hour, they got the same reward. I mean, you, we know what he's talking about here, eternal life. Whether you accept Christ now or on your deathbed, you get entrance. Think of the thief on the cross. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom today. I tell you the truth, you will be with me in paradise. It's humility that allows the Holy Spirit to come in and transform the human heart and mind and soul instantaneously. There's no lag time, whether it's the last final hour or it's when you're young, either way, we're all heading to the same place as followers of Christ and his compassion is profound. And so to look at, oh, thank God I I accepted Christ, you know, when I was 17, it definitely changed my whole trajectory on life and suffering and so those who had were hired first they expected to receive more but each one of them still got a denarius when they received it they began to grumble against the landowner hey these men who were hired last worked only one hour they said and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, there they're, they're again, compassion of God, even though they're just totally sassing off. Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarii? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do What I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. So, my friends, the third reason to stop comparing ourselves to others is that it promotes jealousy and envy. You can search scriptures on jealousy and envy. Let your conduct Be without covetousness. Be content with what you have. For he himself has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Hebrews 13.5. When we are jealous, when we are envious, we are not content. And we are suffering mentally between our two ears. When we only allow the thought of how much God loves us, how much God loves you, and you declare, memorize, Ephesians 2.10, I am the handiwork of God, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for me to do, even though, Lord, I'm looking around me today, and I don't have what these people have, or I'm in this situation, or I'm going through this, or I'm going through that. I was just talking to someone last night who said something beautiful. They said, suffering has no comparison. Whatever you're going through, my friend, today, God sees you and he meets you there, loves you enough not to leave you. So, dear Lord, give us the victory that we need over comparing ourselves to others. It comes from a very, very small, dark place, a feeling that we're not enough, of, looking to the outside world, looking among looking for the living among the dead. We are not going to find what we're looking for outside of us, God. Grant us the grace to establish our sense of work, worth and value in you alone. Help us, dear God, to remember that you do have good plans for us. Plans not to harm us, plans to give us hope and a future. Help our conduct to be without covetedness, covet, covetousness. Help us to be content with what we have, knowing that you are taking us to where you want us to be, not where we want us to be. We are your ambassadors, sweet Jesus. We give you permission to override us when we start looking to the right or to the left. And as Mother Teresa was content in her mission and lived it out to her very last breath, we pray for the same grace to be content with our mission. Wherever you have placed us, as Mother Teresa said, bloom where you are planted. In a beautiful garden, Lord, there's no comparison between the tall sunflower and the small viola. They each have a beautiful splendor of their own and together make an incredible presence. Help us to trust and to give you more authority than any of our insecurities or the script that manifests from our insecurities within us. Have your way with us, dear God, and deliver us from comparison, the negative comparison that steals our peace. You have come that we may have life and have it abundantly. Give us victory this week over comparing ourselves with people and things around us. Help us to use up that freed space between our ears to focus on how much you love and adore us and have a plan for us so that we can honestly and authentically say, good for you. I rejoice that God has blessed you in that way. And I trust that what God has done for others, he will do for me and more according to his Beautiful will for my life. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Give them heaven out there, my friends. There's a lot of the dark side that's slithering around. Outshine the darkness. I look forward to our next podcast together. And you can visit us at edgegodin.com for the readings that go along with today's podcast. And visit us at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com to learn how to become the boss of your emotions. God adores you today. God bless you.